The trash from your past is not your fault, but it does become your responsibility once you become aware of it or you start burying others in yours, right? And so that's where the whole element of influence and control in your life starts to come in play is through just that concept. Because if you can alleviate the shame and blame in yourself and just step into ownership and responsibility, then, then you're not blaming yourself for things you didn't have the knowledge, understanding, or wisdom on in your prior period, but you can own that now and ensure that you don't repeat the pattern. All right, parents, we are back. Welcome back to Parenting on Purpose, your podcast for parenting out of the box. Pretty excited. We have a super impact-driven entrepreneur with us today, Mr. Brian Bogart. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here, my friend. I'm excited to have you here, and I cannot wait to delve into your story with our parents. So parents, Brian does several things. We're going to span a few different gamuts today. Um, and I usually introduce what you do at the beginning, but I'm going to follow my intuition, and we're going to pivot because I think uh, this is what's needed today. So Brian, I want to ask you this to start. What is one thing that you do in your life to show up on purpose? <laughs> well, I'll give you two things. I consider myself pretty dense and uh, I need a lot of visual reminders. So one of the very first things that I learned, and I stole this from one of my old coaches about a decade ago, is just the very simple phrasing of be where my feet are. It allows me to look down, see where my feet physically are and center in the fact that whatever I'm doing and wherever I am is where I'm supposed to be. So I can allow myself to be present. The other thing that I did, and we'll get into elements of my story as to when this even showed up, but I have trust, surrender, breathe tattooed on my left arm. It's a very strong visual reminder that frankly saved my marriage and put me in a place where I could break generational patterns for our kids. But it was a visual reminder that allowed me to just center in every single moment. Again, where are my feet? And then I need to trust in what's happening, surrender that everything is gonna be okay and it's what's the master plan and I can breathe through anything. So it, it, you know, I do believe that my presence is my present and I do believe that presence when done right can be potent. And so I do everything I can to be in every moment. I love that. Do you find there are specific times in your day where you have to reference one or two of those things? And is that something that you had to prompt yourself to at one point? And I'm sure now it's kind of second nature, but I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So, you know, again, there's a whole lot to the backdrop of my story, but you know, I, for a long, 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 long time, lived in a place where I was reacting to lots of things that I was unaware of. And whenever I was reacting, I was creating damage, right? And so, you know, we haven't gotten into any of the buildup to this, but literally two and a half years ago, uh, after 14 years of marriage, after believing that I was in the best place in my marriage that I'd ever been, and after leaving and selling my old business to go help everyone in the world get to the core of who they are, my wife and I sat on our back patio and she went on to explain to me that things I'd done, patterns that were created 10 years ago, some of which still existed today, had created a path that caused her to lose who she was. It was a dagger to my heart. And wow. I legitimately didn't know in that moment whether or not I was going to be married for another 30 days. And the only thing binary in my world is that I'm a husband and father. Meaning if my wife and my kids aren't good, everything else goes away. Yeah. Uh, that's where Trust, Surrender, Breathe got put on here because we unpacked that I had a pretty deep, dark level of anger that I didn't even know was there. I mean, it was buried so deep it could barely be excavated. And, you know, simple things like my wife just saying, hey, honey, what do you want to do with the kids this weekend? My shame filter would cause me to hear this way. Hey, honey, you've not done enough to be a good husband and father here recently. So what are you going to do to make up for it this weekend? Wow. Right. 
And then immediately I'd react, feel everything chest, and I'd rattle off the 10 things I've done in the last four days to show her I'm a good husband and father, and that wasn't even what she was asking. And so a lot of times, yeah, especially in that period of time, that was where Trust, Surrender, Breathe got tattooed on my arm because I made a promise to her on that day that I was going to do everything in my power to ensure that the negative effects of anger wouldn't impact our house as a result of me again, knowing that I'm human and knowing that I'd screw up, right? But I am proud to say that almost three years later, it's only happened four or five times and it hasn't happened in about 18 months. And now I like to say that my wife and I've been together for 17 years. We hid from each other for 14 and she's only felt emotionally safe with me for 18 months. Right. But that was truly I had to use those tools to really center myself, calm, take a breath and really decide in those moments what I was reacting to. And that's a lot of what we teach as well today for entrepreneurs and for parents, because 99 percent of the time you're not reacting to what's in front of you. You're reacting to the trash from your past that's showing up in cellular memory and causing you to believe it's something else. Right. Um, I mean, it's those things that I would see when my kids would do something and I'd feel insecure and I'd all of a sudden get more controlling and restrict their freedom of movement when in reality it had nothing to do with them it had everything to do with my unconscious conditioning right and so it's it's all of these things and how do i center myself to see what's real which is by the way coming back to the first question only in the present that's it it's the only it's the only time that can change the past and the future yep. yet we lose ourselves man i find that entrepreneurialism parenthood and marriage are three of the most brutal mirrors and most incredible opportunities that we are mm. gifted as human beings and most of our audience base including yourself uh, you're doing all three at once um so we always like to preface a modicum of grace here because this stuff is not easy and there's a there's a saying when you marry someone you're bearing your soul right it's like it, it it's the best and the absolute worst of you but what a beautiful exchange to be able to really go down deep into different levels and help each other grow so I can already tell this is going to be a very impactful episode, which leads us into what you do. Um, so you are an impact driver. You're an author, you're a business owner, a serial entrepreneur, um, and you're here to help people make an impact. So I cannot wait to delve into this story a little bit more. And I have so many questions now from that, from that little snippet. So why don't you start me off with when did you just start? Like, when did you decide to get in this space? What were you noticing going on um, yeah. within yourself? Because one thing we focus on here are people in that transition. I love, we love to interview like six, seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs with the whole gamut from people just starting to people who maybe just sold their nine figure business and understand that mental transformation. Um, the last thing I'll preface that I'm going to toss it over to you. We have seemed to notice in life, there's the entrepreneurs that have it all going on uh, in terms of business. But their family uh, and their and their personal life is just a wreck, right? And I think most of us are getting to this point where it's like we don't want to have to sacrifice one for the other. And not to say that to succumb to like uh, beliefs that you have to go slower in order to keep it all together. But I think of it in my head as like pillars like or, or like blocks. You have three basic blocks that you're building together for a more solid foundation. Yep. And actually one fuels the other because as everyone knows who's ever tried to start a, a, a venture, it's exhausting and you yep. have to have that unit. So what we really do here is we want to help people unpack some of those some of those success principles so that they can tie it into marriage, parenthood, business, and really truthfully all of them because they all kind of correlate. Yeah. So with that kind of backstory or preface, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you decided this is what I was going to do. Um, I know you've had several businesses. So tell me a little bit about that and we'll kind of just go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love even what you just said, though, because it is it is so true and it is so challenging and it is not always easy, but it is so rewarding. 
And I don't believe in balance. I believe in intentional integration because I do believe that we can have everything we want. It's just a matter of creating that intentional alignment in our lives. So I'm the creator of the Waste to Wealth Method, and it's five pillars that we've determined for every individual or any organization to identify, remove, or transform the waste they didn't even know existed inside them into wealth-generating activities that are guaranteed to connect and convert. Now, there's a whole lot of backdrop to this, but I do need to give you a little bit of context to who I am outside of what I do that led down this path, because a lot of people say, oh, how'd you get into this, and what did this look like? And it was something that happened to me 31 years ago that put me on this path. I just didn't realize it until about 10 ago. Okay. Wow. So when I was seven, um, my mom, my brother, and I went to our local Walmart to get a one-inch paintbrush. And as we were headed back to the car, anybody who's known me for more than two seconds, if you've listened to this episode so far, I talk fast, I walk fast, I've got a bunch of energy for life, right? And so it wasn't a surprise that I was the first one to the car. But this was back in the days before there was key fobs. So I had to wait for my mom to literally reach in her purse, grab the keys, stick it in the door, and turn it so we could go on with our way. And as we were doing that, a truck pulled up in front of the store that we were at. And the driver in the middle passenger got out. Passenger all the way to the right felt the truck moving backwards a minute later. And so he did what any one of us would do and scooted over to put his foot on the brake. But he instead hit the gas. Combination of shock and force threw him up on the steering wheel, up on the dashboard. And before you know it, he was catapulting 40 miles an hour across the parking lot right at me with no time to react. Went up under the median, went up under the tree in the median, hit our car, knocked me over, ran over me diagonally, tearing my spleen, leaving a tire track scar on my stomach, and continuing on to sever my left arm completely from my body. Okay, this was August 10th, 1992, 6.10 p.m., 115 degree day. Next thing my mom hears is my brother's voice, who was 14 months older, saying, Mom, Brian's arm is over there. And as she gazes up the parking lot, she sees a trail of the muscle from my arm cooking like hamburger on the parking lot. Okay, now... I have to pause for one second because I always honor the woman that's responsible for the fact that I'm here. And aside from my mom, there was a nurse that walked out of the store right when this took place and she saw the literal life and limb scenario. Rushed over and immediately stopped the bleeding on the main wound and had my arm on ice within minutes. Otherwise, I would either not be here with you today or I'd be here with you today with a cleaned up stump. That's just the reality. Yeah. So what I have to also say is then, though I've been speaking on stage since I was seven because I've never been shy, I'm loud and I have a unique story. The more I've told it, the more I've realized how unique my story is, but also how unique every single one of your stories are. And so what's important, regardless of the extremities of our stories, is that we pause long enough to raise our level of awareness to the lessons we can extract from our stories so we can become intentional in how we apply those moving forward in our lives. Right. I made a choice right after that decision to no longer get stuck by the things that had happened to me, but instead get moved by what I could do with them. And I believe at this point that moved people move people. I'm just trying to move as many as I can through the world because we're on a mission to impact over a billion lives as quickly as we can. And so why do I tell you that story? Well, I used to believe it was my transformation story, right? I used to believe that this is the one, this is my, this is the founder's story. This is it, right? And for a lot of years, that was the case. But there's also a lot that I realized much later that I actually buried. It developed more trash that I hid from, didn't even realize was there. And it had a whole ripple effect of which we can talk about or skip over. But the reality of it is if we just start with this one thing, everybody can identify with this. Okay, I walked out of the hospital and I had a teddy bear in between my arm and everybody said, hey, what happened to you? They were expecting me to be like, oh, I was racing my brother down the bike on our or, uh, bikes on the street and I crashed or I flew off a jungle gym, but I'd look at him deadpan in the eye. I was run over by a truck and my left arm was torn off. 
Now, after they picked up their jaw off the floor, they would all pause and they'd turn to my parents for validation, which told me they didn't believe or accept my truth. It must be too audacious for the seven-year-old to be talking about this, right? And then the second thing those same people did was they'd start to view me through their lens of what they'd be capable of in my situation immediately limiting me, wow. okay? Now, I've not met a human being who has not described moments of like, oh, yeah, my truth wasn't accepted, even though it was very obvious. Oh, somebody didn't see me. They didn't understand me. This person told me I should or shouldn't do this or I could or couldn't do this. And immediately it limits us. And so I unfortunately, I would say fortunately, because it allowed me to survive, put crazy amounts of mental toughness and mental armor in place to protect in an area that I didn't even know I was protecting. And it served me really well until it didn't. But long story short, I realized that when I shut off physical pain, I also shut off mental pain, emotional pain, and spiritual pain for 20 to 25 years, and I didn't even know it. And so though I had lots of external success, though I had all the what's the world ever told me I should want, the house, the car, the money, the kids on the way, it cost me who I was because I didn't have a healthy model for chasing it. And so that's what we've built now. We've built a model for people to chase who they are, who they're doing this with, who they're doing this for, and who they plan to impact. Because with clarity on that, who before what will always allow what to be a manifestation of who you are, not the other way around. It allows us to be a little bit more free. But I find that that's what most people want, but it's also the scariest place to be. And if you were going to hide the uh, secret to human development anywhere in the world, put it inside people because they won't look there. It's crazy, right? I mean, it's, it's like all in here. All we have to do is look and turn it. It's, it's, it's so easy to access. It's just everybody's afraid of it because the world tells us not to. And I love when you see it in like movies and film and like what, what at different type video games. Like I, I was playing a game with my son the other day and saw something like this. It's like people get it and it's accessible. We just need to be reminded. And, yep. and for some people, it all clicks in different ways. Yep. Wow, that was incredibly impactful. And you can just feel like you can feel in your soul how much you've had to go through as you have this, as you have this model that everyone has their truth and their voice. And this is your uh, level of impact to help them bring that to fruition. It's amazing because we have something similar with like steps of your life. And if you, if you were to look at like a, a, a staircase, like a spiraling staircase, okay. I earnestly believe like that vortex that holds or like, you know, the fulcrum that holds all those steps together. If that's your like linear life path, every single thing that happens to us for us with us in, in service of us, even though it might feel like you're facing the opposite direction that you want to go at the moment is all in service of this like path that we're meant to create. And I can yep. just even talking to you for a few minutes, realize all of these things are helping you to become the father that you are, to become the husband that you are, to become yep. the the movement maker that you are in this world. And it's just amazing to see that and play out in so many different ways with so many different people and so many different circumstances. It just validates the truth to me that everyone's story is in service of who they're supposed to become. We just have to zoom out long enough to give it time to grow and, and show itself in a way that makes sense to us because we're on the path. We don't see it until much later. Fear takes root where the light of truth doesn't shine. Truth is always what will set us free. It always is. But the problem is, is that so many people's memories are fabricated even in the past that finding truth seems like they're just chasing an empty barrel. But the reality of it is, is it's always right in front of us. Our bodies, our minds and perspective always point us towards what's important if we're paying attention. Okay, so this is going to be fun. I and we can answer this any way you want, but I definitely want to delve into this because I think se like several 
I, most of us are aware of something that we're going after, or maybe we're doing the work, the internal work we think we are, or we're unpacking the thoughts and we're sitting with them and we're trying to figure out where they come from, rewrite the stories, understand, choose different um, emotions around those stories. There's all different things you can do to traumas or memories or whatever. But what you said was golden. It's like, it's understanding that your interaction with someone, it's really your interpretation of that interaction is your yep. truth. Like that conversation with your wife about the kids. I, I mean, it, marriage is so, that's so poignant in marriage. And the same thing with your children and their truth becomes what you show them. So focusing, and this is why we, we laugh that this is called a parenting podcast, because this is really self-parenting. We have to self-parent much more than we have to parent our kids if we love them and we want to be good role models and best friends, which is kind of our whole vibe. So that being said, how did you start to understand that, you know, this journey that we go on, it seemingly never ends. So how did you get to the, I think you call them pillars of what steps are needed to really start to understand that truth so that you can bring that yeah. to the surface? Yeah, I mean, I had to really understand the human experience before I could develop the pillars. So how about I start there? Because I think it's really Perfect. important to understand just even what prevents us from existing as who we are in normal everyday interactions, right? Well, I think that every single one of us seeks and desires four things. We all want to feel safe. We all want to feel protected. We all want to feel seen and understood. And we all want to feel connected. Now, I believe that we don't get these last two unless the first two happen. Yep. Right. So the second you walk into a networking environment that you're not comfortable, the second a prospect or client puts you on the defense, the second you almost get cut off on the highway, the second any number one of these things can happen. Going to a family holiday, right? And we just have 30 years of experience for knowing how every one of our in-laws is gonna show up, right? These are all things that have conditioned these patterns within us. So people say to me, well, what is trash, okay? Well, trash is truly the trash from your past. It's those emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning that have caused you to see the world both intellectually and emotionally, and you've only further sought to validate those beliefs over time, even if they weren't yours to begin with. Right. And so what does this mean? If we all want these four things, then the second we go into one of these environments and we don't feel safe or we don't feel protected, what do we do? We tend to protect ourselves. Now, yeah. for everybody who's listening to this, because I'm known as the garbage man, just imagine a 35 gallon black trash bag. Unfold it flat. Don't open it up and hold each corner up in front of you. Callan, I'm going to have you do this right now. Like, just imagine this. OK, holding the black trash bag in front of you. Now, that's your armor. Okay, now armor protects pain, whereas boundaries are a communicated contract that exists based on your clear existence. They're very, very different. Boundaries, you can see things transparently. Armor, everything's shut off. So I want to ask you, how can you properly expect to communicate with your spouse, your family, your business partner, your clients to show them who you are, what you want, your intent, your desires, your boundaries, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, all the value that you add, all the intent that you have for them delivered through an opaque force field? Oh, by the way, and that's assuming that they're not already carrying their own armor that's going to further dilute thinking. the message. Exactly. Okay? Yep. And so, so many people are sitting here like, well, how come nobody seems to understand me? Nobody, nobody gets me. Yeah, well, it's probably because you're carrying armor protecting something that you aren't even aware of right now. Okay? But if we understand that the second we protect ourselves, we guarantee that we're going to disconnect ourselves from who we are, who we want to be around, and everything we want in this world, then that's the first place to start, which is, okay, how do I allow myself to maintain feeling safe and protected in every environment. Okay, now we have a framework for this. We teach how to become a protector and connector. We call it a strong spine and a soft front. 
Meaning if you've done the work to unpack the patterns of your past, you know what you're looking at, then what does that mean? I, I can stand unwavering in any environment. I don't need to worry because I've got that strong spine. I know exactly who I am. I know my value. I know my worth. I know my boundaries. I know where I've been burned and where I'm not ever going to be burned again. But I also don't have to protect because I know all of that. I'm clear. Mm -hmm. So I can drop my armor. I like to envision my wife and my kids when they want a gentle dad. They don't want to lay their head down on a metal chest piece of armor. They want to lay it down on my heart and feel my rhythm and my heartbeat. And so this is the framing of the human experience that really developed everything in the five pillars. We had to understand that a little bit because, again, the second we protect ourselves, we disconnect ourselves. And that's what most people don't understand. They walk around with this armor that's incrementally crushing them the longer they carry it and disconnecting them from everything they ever wanted. Can I ask you a separate question before we get into the pillars? Absolutely. Because you seem like uh, mentally able to take that. So, um, Okay, so I, I grapple with this thought of like internal versus external low key of control. Right, because I I know it's like the Aristotle nature versus nurture. I was just born a certain way. I was just yeah. born with a, an internal low key of control, and it, it can be like thirty five degrees and raining outside, and I'll be happy because I've decided to be. But yeah. it's interesting when you interact with the world, and I've noticed, you know, and I think it's different for different people in different scenarios because everybody has their own work. No one is exempt from doing this work in some way. Mm -hmm. um, when you come across people like clients and people that come to you for advice, and they are more of a person who external will keep control. The uh, things outside of them tend to cause their mood to sway. How how do you help them to understand that? Because what you just told me very much feels like you have to have an internal will keep control to understand that strong spine because you've decided that. So I would argue that that's true. But what I would also argue is that there's a lot of people who have an internal element of control that's only mental and intellectual, and they've cut everything off here at the neck and they live up here in their head. I know I was that person. Okay. I was told that if I'm mentally tough, if I'm mentally strong, that I can do everything. But I can tell you for a fact that after 13 years of doing that, when I was 20, I rebroke my left arm, almost lost it again, and went 10 months with it hanging by my side, which caused me to really go inward even more. Wow. It caused me to realize how disconnected I was. I was resentful. I was angry because I was surrounded by people, but nobody was there for me. Now, here's the reality. I don't have any negative energy towards any of them because what i realized relatively quickly is they bought into my narrative which was brian's good brian's strong brian's capable brian can do anything himself mm -hmm. they bought into my narrative because i advocated it so strongly i'd protected myself using a mental toughness narrative alone and that was the beginning of really unwinding was when i was around 20 and leaning into human connection and vulnerability and authenticity i believe are the glue that binds that however human connection without emotion isn't really human connection Right. And so what I had to really start to understand is the highest of high performers also are not just the ones that are mentally tough. It's those that understand both their intellectual and their emotional narratives and can balance and regulate between both because they both tell you the truth and they both lie to you. So what I want to encourage is, is even people who have that internal level of control, I would argue that most high performers that I deal with who've learned to receive love, validation and connection through performance. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, I was one of those right? Yep. They'd know no other way than to operate intellectually alone. And that's just as damaging exactly. as other aspects. So to answer the question directly, because I wanted to make sure that that was understood as well. The reality of it is it's about helping people understand that they can be safe and they can be protected in environments that maybe they haven't expected before. Right? So I have a client who likes to tell me that she had her, she was like a crab on the bottom of the ocean and she had built up her shell walls all the way around her. And she said, and it worked really well for 30 to 35 years. And then she said, and then I met you and you walked in and in two minutes, you like knocked out my entire 
armor because you actually saw me for the first time. Sometimes people just need to be held in a space where they can be objective and non-judgmental and know that someone just sees them for the first time. And that often allows them to be able to go internal and be like, oh, I'm okay in this moment, which means I can start to walk through. And so everything about the framework and the pillars is ultimately around how are we creating safety and protection for ourselves and all of the environments that we're in so that everybody has the ability to feel safe, protected, seen, understood, and connected through you. We all have that ability. And so that's what the framing is. I hope that answered the question though. 100%. And I, I interpret that also as like, you know what's cool about you? I love this. You seem to like take- There's only like, one thing, Catelyn. There's only one what? thing cool about me. I mean, come on. <laughs> We're just getting there. I gotta, you're, I gotta let you work up to it. I can't just say, like, give you a big head. Um, no, but I love that. I love hearing, and it's not the first time I've heard it. And it's, it's actually super rewarding to me to hear how prevalent this is. People who are super successful in the, in the business world also integrate all these spiritual concepts. And yeah. I, I mean, obviously it makes a lot of sense because they come from the same pillars, but again, back to this whole mission of some people are just so disconnected and they're like building one pillar so high and it's like a house of cards, whereas people who get it and it's integrated, it all clicks into place. And I feel, and I, my whole hypothesis of doing this podcast is that when you can help interlock those as you grow, it makes everything happen so much faster. You're exactly right. Just like parenting, entrepreneurship and being a spouse, right? It's no different. There is, they, they are all integrated. I believe we exist in four pillars of self, mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional, yep. right? I also believe that the world's taught us not to think, and they've also told us not to feel. But we've got a thinking feeling quadrant that is, we teach people how to think about their thinking, think about their feeling, feel their thinking and feel their feeling. You take that quadrant, you layer it on top of mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional, and now we have a three-dimensional world that we know how to navigate through. These are all the basis of the pillars that we're gonna talk about here in a second, because it's truly about how are we allowing ourselves to live the lives that we want, stand in our power and potential right? And do it unapologetically while also not creating damage in the lives of other people, right? The trash from your past, and I say this always, so before we even get into the pillars, I want people to hear this. The trash from your past is not your fault, but it does become your responsibility once you become aware of it or you start burying others in yours, right? And so that's where the whole element of influence and control in your life starts to come in play is through just that concept. Because if you can alleviate the shame and blame in yourself, and just step into ownership and responsibility, then then you're not blaming yourself for things you didn't have the knowledge, understanding, or wisdom on in your prior period, but you can own that now and ensure that you don't repeat the pattern. And we're gonna get into the pillars after this, I promise, but I love what you just said because one is in service of the present, one is um, taking responsibility and empowering you to make a decision, and then one is fueling the past, which we've already talked about, cannot change anything about the future, except for you having similar thoughts in the future, now you're propelling them both areas. So I love that, that's amazing. Uh, All right, let's get into these pillars. Yeah, so the first one might seem a little bit cliche, and before I tell you about all five, understand that these are not linear. These are not linear. They're more like an infinity that are gonna weave in and out of each other in, in, in perpetuity for the rest of time because there is no final destination, only constant evolution of self, okay? But the deeper you dig, the more free you're gonna be, the more treasure you're gonna find, and the more you're gonna understand how to transform your waste into wealth, and that is where freedom exists, okay? It's just inside of you. So the first is awareness, okay? But this is not awareness in the traditional sense because what I find is with therapy and even many coaches that help walk people down, When people go on the self-discovery journey, this self-awareness journey, I want to become self-actualized. 
typically most people just become more aware of all the ways that they should be judging themselves. That's not what this is about, okay? Because it defeats the entire purpose. This is not just becoming more aware of all the ways that you should be judging yourself, but awareness instead is about extracting how you feel, the narratives and the lessons tied to your experiences that allow you to see yourself more clearly, okay? So I had to become aware that in my situation, I was showing up with shame in my business as well. We ran a very successful business. I consulted with a lot of companies that were 50 million to 5 billion in sales. Complex, long sales environments. But I'm fast and I talk loud and I was always the youngest in the room. So it'd take me 18 months to get all the buyers in the room. We'd bring our teams in and then inevitably someone from my team, either an associate or a partner would lean over and be like, shh, Brian, you can't talk so fast. You can't talk so loud in here. And because I wasn't, strong spine and soft front at that point, what would I do? I'd shrink down and I'd start to bite my jaw and I'd literally feel myself lock up like my voice wasn't worthy, okay? I had to become aware that I would react in situations like that with my wife that I described earlier because if we cannot raise our level of awareness around it, we cannot be intentional about it. And I tell you that my wife and I literally for 14 years, when we sat on that back patio and I finally got it, she's like, I've been trying to tell you this for a decade. How did you not know? I don't know, but I didn't. But now I do, which means I have to step into it, okay? okay? So the next thing, the next step is ownership, okay? This is actively accepting your part, your responsibility for all of the issues in your life, business, relationships, and health. Blame and shame are off the table because they, they literally serve zero purpose. This is about perspective seeking. Now, I believe that this is, whole process is about getting ourselves to calm that fight or flight response to be able to respond versus react. The problem is, is that most people don't even know the full depth of what they're reacting to. Okay. But ownership is accepting the fact that whenever I react, I'm creating damage. Damage also means that I have to spend extra energy, extra time, extra resources, extra capacity to neutralize or diffuse or repair the damage that I've just created. By the way, that's going to be the case for me and anyone that I created damage for. Yep. So ownership is also looking for repair. Okay, now, when my wife and I unpacked our anger and we started to go through this process, part of repair for me was going and sitting down with people in our lives that might have been impacted by this, again, when I was unconscious to it. Her parents were the first on that list. I went and had breakfast with them three days later. Right. And I outlined for them, like, look, like your daughter hasn't deserved these things. I know that the way I've shown up, my armor, my self-protection has caused a rift between our relationship. It's not allowed us to be as close. I know it's kept you from your grandkids. And I know that from afar, you as a father are only envisioning what this is going to look like for your daughter long term, because you've seen the patterns. You're aware of the patterns. I just now am. But I'm making a commitment to you that this is what I'm doing. And her dad taught us or actually responded with the ultimate lesson that I've been teaching my kids since they were born. He basically looked at me and said, Brian, you talk too much, show me. The world will never judge you based on your intent. The world will always judge you based on your actions. So if you don't like the reactions, the impact or the outcomes that you're getting, what actions are you taking that could be contributing to that up to and including passive action that's just holding armor, preventing people from connecting with you? All of those things can be true, but until you own that, you won't move because the unavoidable precursor to change is acceptance. So until you accept the current state of things, you cannot alter them, period, okay? But ownership, this is what it looks like. Now, we all have the ability to help our clients, our spouses, our kids step into awareness and ownership. So there are framings, though we're going to talk about it more through the lens of partnerships, relationships, and, and, and parenting, 
there's framings for awareness and ownership that are directly related to what's the language I can use to bring my clients along so that I can continue to give them a safe space. Okay. The third pillar is unpack. This is feeling for the purpose of healing. I've said for years that if you don't feel, you don't heal. When I shut off emotional pain, mental pain, and spiritual pain for 20 to 25 years, I didn't heal any of that stuff. I healed physically, but I never healed in those areas. And so what am I reacting to? Pain from my past that I'm still protecting that I don't even know why or where it's coming from. And until you get to the source or sources of this trash, you won't ever escape it. You also won't see all the treasure buried, formed by all that trash pressure. Okay, so what does unpacking actually mean? This is about understanding how do these things physiologically show up in your body? Okay, the point here is to sit in it only long enough until it points you towards what's important. What do I mean by physiologically in my body? Now I ask some people, right? The very first question when people are like, hey, how do I know if I have trash? It's like, well, who was the last person that made you feel like garbage? Most people have a reaction to that. They're like, oh shit, I know exactly who that person is. Well, guess what? If you have anything, you feel anything, or you think anything that's somewhat like, oh yeah, I have a path here, you have trash. But the second question is, how does that show up in your body? That's what I was thinking. Where do you feel it? Now, most people will answer that question like, oh, I feel anxious. I feel heaviness. Yeah, it's in my chest. That's not what I'm talking about. We're labeling an emotion and we're giving a descriptor for what the feeling is instead of the physiological response. Okay. <laughs> What I want you to do is what's happening with your heart rate? What's happening with your respiration? Are you locking up anywhere in your body? Do you feel yourself shrink down, rise up? Do you feel your chest expand? I told you in one level of shame, I shrunk down, I bit my tongue. In another, which was technically anger, but it was a shame root, I reacted and exploded on my wife. Until I understand those physiological responses, I'm not gonna be able to put myself in positions of my past when those started in the first place. But we have to be able to do that work. And here's the reality. Our, Hearts have over 40,000 brain-like cells that are called sensory neurites. So there's science to even what I'm telling you here. Sure. They've shown and studied that if you go through the intellectual process of unpacking the patterns of your past alone, that you will not actually heal. You won't change because until you complete that 18-inch journey from your head to your heart and embody those associated emotions and physiological responses, then you don't give those 40,000 cells a chance to heal. Can we okay? pause here? The memory will continue. This is important because I think there's so many people, I mean, even like 20s and 30s have spent thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars on retreats on this, have to change their whole life, have to get rid of, like, leave their marriage, do all these things to do the work that is, you know, said we need to do to help with this. And what you just said, like, answers that question. So I want to give some tactical, like, backs, background to, like, what to do there. So if you are a person who is journaling or is meditating or is praying or is doing all of the things and you don't feel you don't feel like something is changing. That's because you're intelligent and your head and your heart and your stomach all have brain-like neurons because they're all different brain centers. It, you're, you're telling, your, your body is telling you that it's not healing. So I want to hone in on what you just said one more time. Can you find that back for me? Yeah, let me give you an example on this because I think it'll be applicable for people to actually do something with it. I have a client that I was on a call with a couple of weeks ago. Now, I'm not going to give a lot of details because there's a lot of his story that's his to share and not mine. But he's been dealing with some physical challenges in the last six to 12 months that are very unique and different for him. But it's stirred up a lot within him, okay? Three weeks ago, he was with his family out on the East Coast and they were at, a, at the ocean. They were at the beach and they were there to have fun. Now, because of his physical challenges, he couldn't get in the water. But he's watching his wife and his kids play in front of him and he's feeling this sinking feeling, this complete retreat, this complete armor when he wants to be centered and in that moment just enjoying what's in front of him. But yeah, he wants to be in the water also. 
Okay. So he almost brushed over this in our coaching call and I calmed him down. I was like, stop. He goes, what? I was like, just stop for a second. Take me back to the chair. You're sitting in this chair on the beach. What were you feeling in your body? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. Okay. Well, we're going to sit here until you know, put yourself back in that space. What were you feeling? And he described the physiological response. Now we understood what it meant in that moment. And we've done so much work that we had passed. But what did I do in that moment? Immediately, once he could get to the physiological response, not the descriptors, not the emotion, okay? Then I took him back and I said, when was the first time you remember in your life feeling this exact same thing? Now, what's interesting for him is he didn't have an immediate click, but many people, when put into that situation to feel it, go immediately there, right? We do a lot of these transformational things in our retreats where we compress decades into days by pointing people right at what's important. Okay, but this is exactly what happened. Two minutes later, he came up with two stories that were highly relevant to his conditioned belief on what he was reacting to in that moment, which had nothing to do with his kids and his wife in front of him or his inability to be in the water. It had everything to do with the belief systems that were ingrained in one situation when he was 12 and another one when he was 14. Okay, but when we have the ability to start to create these patterns and unpack that, that's where we can heal and move. Okay, because we can start to realize that we're not reacting to anything to do with what's in front of us, but everything to do with what's actually going on in the past. And that's what you were mentioning a second ago, too, where you had two different scenarios, but you called them both the shame route. Like one came in shame and one came across as anger. So they they showed up differently. But at the end of the day, they were both the shame. And I promise you we're actually going to cover that in another one of the pillars, because what you're saying right there is critically important. Okay. Awesome. Now, what I will say about shame is shame is the ultimate wolf in sheep's clothing because it presents itself as perfectionism, control, scarcity, guilt, like 50 different emotions. Okay. The reason I didn't even know that I suffered from shame was for that exact reason. And until I understood both primary talk tracks to shame, I couldn't escape it. Because the first is I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough. And that's where most people live. And that's where most people identify with shame. I'd be lying if I said that was my predominant narrative. It wasn't. Yep. I've had moments there. But that's never been my deal, right? Mm -hmm. But on the other side of it, it's when you shut that down, you show up in the arena and you're ready to go to battle. It's who do you think you are? See, everything major I ever did, I felt the need to apologize for. The bigger I lived, the smaller I felt I had to make myself so that I wouldn't make other people feel badly about my success, right? I was legitimately constraining and restraining myself on the top level, impacting my ability to perform at the highest level. But this is where it all comes together. So yes, we're going to cover how it patterns differently in our body because that is a critical, important step. Okay, so we can get back to that, but I do want to just, I just want to wrap it up in a bow because this is something I've had challenges with where you go through the motions and you know it's not working. And as you mentioned, the heart and feeling it in your body and understanding the root of where that comes from is the secret sauce there to help you to have a real, like to have a true head to heart connection to then learn and heal from that lesson, the true healing so that you can actually move on and grow and evolve. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, some of the, some of the examples that I gave around when I first came out of the hospital and people started not seeing me, not accepting my truth, right? Right. Limiting me. Guess what? Those were original sources of some of my shame, right? So I tell those, I tell those portions of the story for exact reason, because there is a full circle moment where I saw it and was able to escape it. Okay. The fourth pillar is flipping your lid. Okay, this is done in two places. Most people, when I ask them, hey, do you take out the trash in your home every single day? Most are like, yeah, 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 I do. And I'm like, great. When was the last time you took out the trash inside of you? And they're like, uh, uh, what do you mean? I don't want to, I don't want to look inside, right? But here's the reality. We have to be able to lay out everything in the light. 
what emotions, what thoughts, what things are bubbling up given those moments and be able to move through them in a place where we can list them out without any judgment yet again. Okay, we don't want to rationalize. This is about separating from fight or flight, right? This is about me being able to now understand that in a moment, if I feel triggered with my wife, I can say something like this. Hey, honey, I felt triggered by what you just said. So I'd like to have you state it one more time and I'll try to hear it through a more neutral lens. And if I'm not able to do that, maybe we can pause this conversation and revisit it later so that we don't have to create any damage right now. Now, what have, that, what have I done? I've raised my awareness. I've stepped into ownership. I've unpacked that this is a pattern that I've existed in. And I've now brought that truth into the present moment to disarm and make her feel safe and take ownership for what I believed I could be reacting in. Okay? Preventing ever creating damage. Now, flipping the lid is one of the most critical places. This is where we can reclaim conversations with our spouses, our kids, ourselves even. Right? Yeah. To be able to just really understand what's happening in front of us. But the second place we do this is what we call scanning the can. It's still in the flip the lid, okay? This is also leveraging some more science because what do I want you to do? I want you to spend five minutes at the end of every single day before you step into gratitude, before you step into visualization to identify those moments that you tripped on your trash today. Those moments that you were triggered, you felt unworthy, disconnected, isolated, alone, right? Scarce, guilty, whatever the case may be. Any low frequency energy or emotion I want you to identify. What happened? What was I feeling in my body? What might that be connected to? Like take toll on it and understand what needs to be removed, what needs to be transformed, and what do you just have to completely ignore because it isn't gonna serve you. But here's the truth. If we take out the trash in our houses every day, it's because we don't want it to stink the next morning. But here's the thing, when we go to sleep, we are committing things to cellular memory because stage three REM sleep is actually where memory consolidation takes place. So if you've not reconciled these things, then anything you're carrying today that you've not cleared from your consciousness before you go to bed, guess what? You've just compounded the same pattern from the last however many years you've been alive. So you can break the pattern today just by taking ownership real time of what's happening. This is what flipping the lid is all about, okay? Now, the last is arguably the most, most important step because this is where we move, okay? All of them are critical because they won't work without each other, but move is where it happens. This is how do these emotions move through you? How do they move through your world so that you can move through them? Okay. Right. Now, the physiological responses that we talked about, this is where it starts to come in. Now, I have five different ways that shame moves through my body. Five different ways that shame moves through my body. I have six different ways that anger moves through my body. Now, why is that important? Because now I can start to center and see them for what they are without judgment. And I can start to pay attention to how they're moving in my world, i.e. where am I getting triggered? Exactly. Now I have over 50 shame triggers that I'm aware of and over 60 anger triggers that I'm aware of. But this is where the patterning starts to give you power because I can now start to know with absolute certainty that when my body feels this way and it was triggered by this, that it has nothing to do with what's right in front of me and I can let go of it very, very quickly in the moment. Okay, why is this important again? Well, because I have two special needs kids. One of my anger triggers is sensory overload. So when our doorbell goes off and our two chihuahuas start yapping at the top of their lungs and I just feel the edge and I wanna scream, if I don't connect that in that moment quickly and one of my special needs kids jumps into my lap, what energy are they getting from me? Nothing to do with them and everything to do with what I was reacting to internally, right? And that happened way too many times in my life, but this is how we move through it. So I then ask people, hey, do you know what it feels like to get triggered? I'm not yet a person who I've met who's been like, no, I don't know what I feel like yeah. when I get triggered. Everybody's like, yeah, I know exactly. How quickly you notice it? Well, like almost in that instant. Great. So here's what I want you to do. The next time you get triggered, I want you to pause immediately. 
and ask yourself two questions. Is what I'm reacting to right now due to what's right in front of me or the trash from my past? Here's a little trick. 99% of the time, it's going to be the trash from your past and nothing to do with what's in front of you. Okay. But then the second question is, what am I protecting right now? Because the reality of it is your reaction is being delivered through armor and self-protection. So even if you've not been able to find the source in your unpacking, if you can in that moment really slow yourself down just for a second to understand what are you protecting right now, it'll point you towards what's important. And this is where we start to create so much freedom. I love it. Okay, so the what, what you're protecting and then that's how you start to understand like basically the, the trash bag analogy that you went over earlier, that you're just not showing up authentically. You mentioned that you have um, five or six different um, ways something shows up in your body. Do you find those are like unanimous or are those going to be different for every person? They're going to be different for every person because they're going to be highly based upon the sources and those moments that put that intellectual and emotional response in place in the first place. Okay. Now, sometimes it's due to a trauma like what I walked through. Other times it's how your grandpa looked at you when you loaded your dishwasher incorrectly at four right? Sometimes it just has to do with that one time that your parents took your sibling to something special and fun and you felt like you, you were missing out and weren't the worthy, grateful child, right? It could be any number of these little tiny micro moments, but that's why it's important to remove the shame and blame because most people are like, oh yeah, I had a good upbringing. Oh yeah, my parents were great. Oh yeah, this and this. I'm like, okay, well, great. But yeah. then we start to unpack the religious connotations and the ways that control seeped in through there. We start to unpack the unconscious bias and, oh, the anger that dad actually had when I was growing. Like all these little things that we just tend to minimize and push away, they all created belief systems in those moments that you, the rest of your life has been validating because you didn't see another way. So many things here. Like there's no wrong. Like you're, you're, and for the most, cases these people like there's no malice into what they were doing may take the grandpa with the the stern look when you were doing like they're just a product of their environment and reacting through their whole life because that's what right. they were taught i find this topic so fascinating because this whole human condition situation on this ball hurling through space that we're you know doing it's like there it is unavoidable to to go through what we're going through yet the right. tools that are they're so, how do I say this? They're there, meaning the tools really are looking inside, but it's just our society does like, does not align with how that works. So it's so awesome to see people like you showing up in the world to help provide some of these tactical tools, because I can see this being very impactful for people, especially people who are just aware of what's going on in their life. And they want to, they want to take steps to change it. Like, this is awesome, but it is so fascinating. Like, um, it's like, you know, the guru who can answer all these people's questions. Yeah has struggles on their own personal journey because this is the journey, right? But I always like We're to highlight human. that there's no We're wrong. We, we all have these moments. I mean, here's the reality. I had a reactionary moment to my wife just yesterday, just yesterday, right? And, and I didn't see it clearly and I didn't understand it. And I was like, why are we disconnecting here? What's going on? I just had this heightened little energy and emotion. And then Fortunately, no damage was created. There were no reactions on either side. Like there was a lot of grace because we've put in the work. We've mm -hmm. reestablished trust on a deep level. But what did I do? I went and I actually sat with it for a few minutes because I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I didn't just ignore it. I wasn't like, oh, it's just going to go away. What was I doing in that moment that caused me to show up that way? And here's the reality. My wife had left for about 30 minutes. She had an errand to run. When she got back, I went into the kitchen and I said, I need to talk to you. And she had a little bit of like, what do you need to talk to me about? Like, what do you need to say? And I'm like, sweetie, I just wanted to apologize. 
I wanted to tell you that what I did in that moment was definitely out of self-protection and I didn't see it. And thank you for staying calm in the moment. Fortunately, nothing bad happened as a result of it. But I did want to let you know that all of your feelings were valid because I was blind to how I was actually showing up in the moment. Right now, I'm not perfect. The reason why do I tell you that? Because guess what? I know this stuff. I don't get triggered by 99% of the things that most people do or I used to. But do I still have it happen? Of course I do. Of course. I don't sit here like I'm, you know, a stage on a stage and have it all figured out. I have a lot more figured out than most do. But oh, by the way, I'm still in the journey. I just want to provide this lens to parents, right? Like you are obviously an expert in this field. And so you're super aware. Uh, yet it still happens. And I think about the context of parenthood. And when you look at our children and how pure they are, they, they just don't have these 800 layers that we just talked about. They're just raw, which is why they're so present, which is yep. why they don't want to stop engaging and playing in the thing just because you have the thing, the piano practice or whatever it is. Right. And, um, I just, I think if we, if we tend to do this work on ourselves and look at it from that perspective. There's so much we can learn from our children, not even about ourselves, just about how to, how to human, how to human wholeheartedly. And it's so pure and it's such a gift that was endowed to us. Um, I know, I just know. They're my greatest coaches. And I mean, here's the reality. Like I, I am very, very clear now that easily 90% of the time that I have a reaction towards my kids, it actually has something to do with a place that I was told not to do something, something I was told not to touch. Some, it's all about my own insecurities, my own patterns. And so when I can lower that, I mean, again, I told you I have two special needs kids. My son's on the autism spectrum, right? He has anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder and ADHD. That means executive functioning sometimes is out the window. That means impulse control sometimes is out the window, right? And before we understood this, our kid would be having a reaction or a fit in public and both my wife and I, though we were trying to do what we could to protect that, what are we concerned about? Oh man, our kid's making this, oh, shh, we need to be quiet. Oh, instead of focusing on protecting our kid, regardless of whatever the hell the world is saying, right? Yep. Our tendency, even in that time, because we didn't know, was to protect against this. It's like, oh, even though he'll actually be calm, he won't be crazy if he's on a screen when we're in a restaurant, right? We would like not let him be on there because what did the world tell us to do? And we were trying to react and protect yeah. ourselves when in reality, our number one job is to protect our kids. And this so I love. it's like, yeah. you have to go through this yourself to feel to. the feels. And it's like, if you were to really think of it, like I, I offer the perspective of, yeah, boiling down into a fit for 30 seconds on aisle six, while maybe not like great to the masses, it's exactly what your body physiologically wants to do yep. to then be regulated. And now yep. you're at homeostasis and you're fine. But what do we do? That's not pretty. Let's repress. Let's repress. Hence right. the, you know, the trash piling up. Um, I just feel like they're such great educators to us if we have the right heart to listen. I a thousand percent agree. And you know, at least in our household, it's been really beautiful because my daughter is a little clone of my wife and my son is a little clone of me. Now they've got really good blends of both, but what does that mean? I had 14 years of experience with my wife so that by the time my daughter was actually communicating and moving through the world, I was really quickly able to see the same patterns and how I've had to respond to my wife over years. But guess what? It was blind spots for her and vice versa. She'd exactly. be like, hey, have you ever considered trying this with Blake? Well, no, I haven't. She's like, well, I've been doing it with you for a decade and I know it works. Oh, okay. Well, awesome. we can lean in and learn so much. And you know, what's funny. I love this because you can do it on your own. It's just going to be a lot harder. And when you yeah. can leverage the perspective of several other humans in your family unit, 
this is why we have a family group. This is why I'm such a big advocate of uh, family missions and visions and value statements because it, it reminds us on a day-to-day basis when we have to do 800 things that we're a team and we have the same goals in mind. Um, so I love that. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. And, and then also keeping in mind the source of many of these places is the generational patterns that have existed and been passed down. I mean, my wife and I have been able to identify and trace our personal trash back three generations, right? What does that mean? We can have grace and empathy for the best that they were able to do in those times while still acknowledging the things we want to change and improve for our kids. So right. we've effectively broken generational patterns. And I will say, and I'll close this circle full loop, my kids don't even remember their dad being angry. About six weeks ago, I found that out for the first time. I was still carrying a little bit of remorse. Like, man, I wish I would have been better in some of those situations. They don't even remember their dad being angry because they've now had long enough and they are at the perfect age that we caught it, that it hasn't created long-term damage. Like, that's the most beautiful gift I could have been given. It's interesting too, is we tend to look at ourselves through these lenses of just like, we're these horrible monsters. And yes, guys, like I am a huge proponent of like self-introspection. Um, I, I, I would say I'd be lying if there was a day goes by that I don't look at the end of the day and say, how could I have been better? And I think that's just some of our internal mechanisms, but for the most part, like we are very resilient beings. And if you have a good heart about you, like that comes across too, yep. right? We just happen to focus in, like you said earlier on the things that we want to do better, but you're doing a lot right. If you're yeah. listening to this podcast, you're freaking winning. You're doing a lot right. Yeah. So it's just, okay. So I want to wrap, but I want to ask one thing first. And you yeah. mentioned um, talking to your wife. Um, and I, I think you've answered a lot of this in what you said, but I was so, I so loved the, the ability and the thought of a couple sitting down and being so in tune with their own thoughts and emotions and regulating of self to be able to open up in a safe space to yeah. really help unpack things for each other not in a for you way but in a with you way um i think that's like next level shit i don't think everyone's there yet right brian but that's amazing so let's pretend that you're on the beginning of this journey what are one or two things you would recommend for people listening to take into their their marriages and or with their children to help develop those baselines and then please please let our our dads and our moms know where they can find you and you have a book you have several things wrap in where to engage with you after that yeah i mean I'm going to lean on the first two pillars right out of the gate, which is like you first have to raise your level of awareness and step into ownership for where your current state currently is. Okay. When my wife and I, for example, were sitting on that back patio, right. And all of a sudden I'm realizing I might not be married in another 30 days. I could have reacted in that moment. Like I had 500 other times when we tried to have this conversation, but it would have guaranteed suffering for me. Okay. So what did I have to do? Yeah. Well, I know this sounds crazy, but I was the instigator in a lot of cases right? We know that safety was something that was a big trigger for her because she had a dad who used to break furniture when she was a kid out of anger, right? Now he never hit her. But the reality of it is she had a preconditioned response and reaction to that type of heightened energy coming from a man. And I just happened to be a really powerful, strong man who delivered the shit out of my anger, right? And so what does that mean? She has four, she had 14 years of patterns up until that point that she had cellular memory. She had belief systems. She didn't believe that I was going to be able to change. She didn't believe I was going to be able to be seen. She didn't trust that this was going to happen. So I like to say that I went into it knowing that being the man and being the primary physical protector of the family, my number one thing had to be to focus on creating emotional safety in the house. Okay, what does that mean? I couldn't react, I couldn't elevate, I couldn't scream. And I like to say for a while there, I ate my shit for six months because 
we'd have we'd have this situation and i could see that she was triggered she was reacting i can't that's that wasn't the point there the point was can i show her that i can remain calm neutral and clear in that now yeah. six months after doing that after swallowing my pride she woke up and said hey i think it's time for me to do some work but it was another six to 12 months after that before we had enough emotional safety to lean into enough trust to create the dynamic that you just talked about, right? She didn't trust me with some of her deepest and darkest thoughts because in the past, I hadn't always seen them, understood them. I hadn't made her feel safe and protected. So she didn't feel connected. And now all of a sudden, though she believed I was capable of it, she didn't have enough to prove that I was. And so what I would really challenge anybody starting in this place is you have to become aware and own where you currently are and who is the instigator or primary instigator that's created most of the pattern. Now that isn't, again, it's not a shame and blame. It's not a fault thing. It's yep. just pure reality that as the man, I can highly impact emotional safety in the house just because of my natural ability with physical size and strength. Okay. Right. And so knowing that I have to have a greater level of responsibility and because mine was anger, I stepped into it. Now, again, it was 18 months after that before she felt emotional safety to the place that the intimacy was deepened. And I don't just mean that sexually. Okay. What's also crazy is I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. She's been alongside that journey. When we had built our $15 million risk management employee benefits consulting firm, when we built other things, like she was there, she never had any desire to be in the business, work in the business, have any impact. She's now our COO today. She's the best integrator and executor I have ever witnessed. She's a phenomenal operator and she takes all my crazy and she puts it into motion so people can access it. The reality of it is, is we are the greatest, most dynamic partnership in every area of life, but that wouldn't have existed without emotional right. safety, right? And so everything in our life followed that. So the very first question I want anybody to ask, regardless of what emotion, regardless of the instigators is, am I and the other people in this room emotionally safe, right? Because if the answer to that is no, you're not rebuilding trust to put you in a position to be able to have the real deep conversations when the time is right. That's awesome. A great place to start. I love this. Okay. Um, I can see why you have been uh, invited on guests uh, to guest speak on podcasts several times. This is a lot of information. It's amazing. Uh, please uh, tell our audience where they can find you. Yeah. So if you're a web person, you can find me at brianbogert.com. You can go to at Bogert Brian. But I actually have something even better for you. We run three-day virtual summits where we actually are showing people the whole process of transforming waste into wealth, not just in themselves and their families, but in their business, integrating digital marketing approaches and ways that we can utilize this. And for everybody that is here today, I have a link for you, but I have to literally read it and find it to you. So here's where it is. Hold on. It's going to be go.brianbogert. Oh, no. I'm going to have to send it to you afterwards. No, it's go.brianbogert.com backslash amplify. And if you use the VIP code VIP 100, you'll get free access to our three day event. We run them every month. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely will link that down below as well. So people can integrate uh, and, and join you. And I also have several masterminds that I, I run with businesses that I'll absolutely tag this in because I think people would see a lot of value in this and help spread value in the world. So yeah, see, so how did you give? You give selflessly. That's amazing. Brian, thank you for being here. What uh, what an incredible 
uh, talk. I really enjoyed this as the self-awareness piece of my own life. Can't wait to go kiss my children and my husband. So thank you for showing up authentically. Parents, thank you for showing up authentically. And uh, shout out to Steve because Steve uh, DM'd me about a month ago asking for um, a curriculum and an infrastructure to help with self-development. And that is how we found Brian. So uh, Steve, thank you. Uh, parents, thank you guys for your, your messages and telling me what you want to learn. And I go find amazing people like Brian to bring us that information. Um, again, guys, la my last plug of the night, lean into these coaches. I get DMs constantly from people who have used other uh, coaches and other speakers. And I've seen some of the success stories in their lives. I'm actually working on some pieces to share some of that, but it's like the most rewarding, incredible thing to watch. I'm just so proud of this community. These people are amazing. So thank you parents for showing up. You guys know the deal. We'll see you next week. And until the next time, stay beautiful and stay inspired. Bye guys.